Uh, calling the meeting to order at 5.31 p.m. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday, December 20th, 2022 hybrid in-person and virtual meeting of the San Francisco Entertainment Commission. My name is Ben Blyman. I'm the commission's president. We'll start with announcements. Uh, we would like to start the meeting with a land acknowledgement. We, the San Francisco Entertainment Commission, acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in, in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in the traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirm affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall Room 416, broadcast live on SFGov TV, and available to view on Zoom or listen to by calling 1-669-900-6833 using the meeting ID 861 2974-3092. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the beginning of the meeting, and there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. Each comment is limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call-in. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. For those attending in person, please fill out a speaker card located at the side table or podium, come up to the podium during public comment, state your name, any affiliations, and then your comment. You will have three minutes. Once finished, please place your speaker card, please hand your speaker card to the commission secretary behind the podium. If using Zoom platform to speak, select the raise hand option when it's time for public comment. If calling by phone, dial star nine to be added to the speaker line when your item of interest comes up. When you are asked to speak, you unmute yourself by hitting star six. Please call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. If you're also viewing the meeting on SFGov TV, be sure to mute it before speaking during public comment. Alternatively, while we recommend that you use Zoom audio or a telephone for public comment, you may submit a written public comment through the chat function on Zoom. Please note that commissioners and staff are not allowed to respond to comments or questions during public comment. Thank you to SFGov TV and Media Services for sharing this meeting with the public. Thank you. Commission Secretary Liang, let's do the roll call. President Blyman. Present. Commissioner Perez is running a little late. Commissioner Thomas. Here. Commissioner Torres. Here. And Commissioner Wong. Here. Vice President Camino and Commissioner Falzon are excused. All right, the first order of business is consideration possible action to adopt a resolution making findings to allow in teleconference meetings under California Government Code Section 54953E. Uh, do we have a motion to adopt the resolution? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Uh, is there any public comment on this item? No public comment for this item. All right, we'll close public comment and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Uh, Commissioner Tor uh, Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye.
All right, it has been approved. The next agenda item is number two, which is general public comment. Is anybody here want to comment or on the interwebs want to comment on any items that are not listed on the agenda? There are no public comments. All right, we'll close general public comment. The next agenda item is number three, approval of the minutes for November 15, 2022 commission meeting. Uh, do we have a motion to approve those minutes? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Is there any public comment on our meeting minutes? No public comments. All right, meeting minutes have been approved. Next oh, we have to vote. What, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Let's do that. President Blyman? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, they've been approved. All right, next agenda item is number four, which is a report from Executive Director Wyland. Good evening, commissioners, and happy holidays. Hello to everyone tuning in, both in person and online. I have a very brief update this evening as we'd like to save space for a couple of informative presentations tonight. Um, but wanted to just remind you of some of the things that we have been emailing you about that are just housekeeping items related to uh, required training due dates, which will be coming up very quickly in the next week. So if you haven't completed your required trainings yet, please make sure to do so um, online in the next week. And if you have any questions, uh, do not hesitate to reach out to Commission Secretary Leong. Um, beyond that, I just wanted to note that we have published our commission schedule for next year. So make sure to take our Calendly poll regarding your availability for the next few months. And then just take a look for us at that schedule. Um, it is the first and third Tuesdays of the month. However, we do anticipate canceling a few of the meetings next year due to legal holidays occurring the day before. So 4th of July would be an example of that. Um, beyond that, I just wanted to call attention to New York New Year's Eve happening next week, uh, which is one of our biggest weekends of the year to be staffed um, out in the community and make sure that we have um, our inspectors um, out there checking out our venues and all of the scheduled events. Uh, we are going to go ahead and send over a very lengthy list of events to the Emergency Operations Center that is staffed by uh, Department of Emergency Management um, and other colleagues related to emergency management work on that weekend. Um, beyond that, we will be training our new inspector uh, starting next week. Um, so I will introduce you to her uh, at our next scheduled hearing uh, in January, which I believe is G January 17th. Um, so prior to that, she'll have a very big training weekend for New Year's Eve, and we will uh, have a late night one of those nights as well. If you have any questions about any of that, or if you want to see a copy of our New Year's Eve events list, we'll go ahead and send that to you in the next day, just for your awareness. Um, I'm here if you have any questions. Any questions? All right, I'm not hearing any. I don't have any. Thank you very much for that concise report. And is there any public comment on this agenda item? There are no public comments for this item. And just for the record, um, Commissioner Perez is now here at the meeting. Welcome. 
Got it. We're going to close. Welcome. We're going to close public comment and move on. The next agenda item is number five, which is a report from Deputy Director. Good evening, Commissioners. Happy holidays. So we have received 74 311 complaints since our last hearing, which was on November 15th. A little under one month ago. So I have a few enforcement updates for you tonight. And of course, please feel free to ask me any questions if you have them. Um, so the first up is about Gestalt. So later on in tonight's agenda, agenda, you'll be hearing from Daniel Hawkins, of owner of Gestalt, regarding ongoing enforcement actions at the business. But I wanted to give you a quick update now about the latest site visit we conducted at the business. So on November 19th, uh, Inspector Fiorentino responded to a 311 complaint at 2.15 a.m. When he arrived, he could hear loud music coming from inside of the business, although the front door was closed. And he noticed that the curtains were pulled closed across the windows and the front door. Um, when he went inside, he saw that there was a DJ performing along with numerous people inside drinking. He spoke with the owner about the sound complaint and they thought they were in violation of their LLP permit, which requires that entertainment ends at 10. 11 p.m. The owner stopped the DJ and said the bar was closing. Inspector Fiorentino went outside and waited a moment, but then saw more patrons entering the business at 2.30 and heard the DJ start playing again. Uh, he went back inside, saw people being served alcohol, and then observed the DJ still playing at 2.40 a.m. So I issued a citation for operating entertainment after 11. Next up is Halcyon uh, for... Um, <clears throat> we received a complaint on November 20th about Halcyon operating entertainment after 4 a.m. I reached out to the owner about the complaint, and she explained that she was not there that night, but after speaking with the house manager, she learned that the DJ did play an encore for patrons as they were exiting the club at 4, so the music was, in fact, being played slightly after 4 a.m. We issued a notice of violation for this occurrence, and the owner has spoken with her staff and ensuring they will ensure that this entertainment ends at the designated end time for that evening. Next up is Galleria Bohem, which is an event space located at 2391 Mission Street. They obtained a one-time event permit for their grand opening on December 3rd. We received four 311 complaints that night, and Inspectors Fiorentino and Zavrina responded to the complaint at 8 p.m. and then again at 10.30 p.m. So although they had a one-time event permit for, uh, for entertainment, they did not obtain an assembly permit from uh, SF. FD, and therefore they could not have more than 49 people gathered inside. This was also a condition on their permit from our office. When the inspectors responded at 8 p.m., they observed approximately 70 people inside the space, and there was no entertainment in operation at this time, just pre-recorded music. But then during their second visit at 10.30, the band was playing, and the party had grown to over 100 people occupying both upstairs and the basement lounge, which was where a DJ was performing. So the inspectors spoke to the owners and they educated them on their responsibilities of keeping the sidewalk clear, keeping the front door closed, and then reminding them of their patron limit. They advised the owners to vacate the patrons who were congregated in the basement as it was a severe fire hazard. Um, there was only one access point, which was a single steep, dark, unmarked um, stairwell. So. The owners did go ahead and clear the basement as well as the front sidewalk at our inspector's direction. I issued a notice of violation for having the door open during entertainment, not keeping the sidewalk clear, and for violating their occupancy load. They had another event this past Saturday, December 17th, and we received two complaints. But when Inspector Fiorentino responded, he observed full compliance uh, with their one-time event permit. So just as an FYI, this business has expressed interest in applying for a POE permit, so we, you might see them on a future agenda. Um, the next up is Arepas. So Arepas is on our permit agenda tonight. They are applying for an LLP permit, but I did just want to provide you with a quick enforcement update about the business. 
So on December 19th, I had a phone call with one of the owners addressing a neighbor complaint. And I had, um, I had received stating that a rapist was holding entertainment without a permit. So I did explain to the owner that they are not allowed to have entertainment without a permit and that pre-recorded music or a single unamplified performer who ends by 10 p.m. does not require a permit. And the owner stated she understood this. On Friday, December 16th, we received a 311 sound complaint at 8.36 p.m., which included a picture of a woman playing on a drum set inside of the business. Senior Inspector Zavrina responded to the complaint at 9, and he saw that the band was on a break, but observed what appeared to be a salsa band set up, including the house PA system. So while he didn't see the band performing, he did see a drum set, which included congas, timbales, bells, and a vocals microphone. So the next night, Inspector Fiorentino visited at 8.45 p.m., and when he arrived, he saw two classical guitarists playing through the house PA system. Um, he spoke with the owner about the reason for his visit, and uh, she explained that she didn't know that this was considered amplification, so Inspector Fiorentino educated her about this, and I did issue an NOV for hosting entertainment without a permit. Uh, the next up is Skylark. The final update is about Skylark. So on Saturday, November 26th, inspectors of Rena and Fiorentino conducted a follow-up compliance check for Skylark's recently revised POE permit and security plan. During their visit, they observed a number of violations. When they first arrived at 10.15 p.m., the front door was open. No security was present, and there was a DJ performing inside. They returned again at 11, and there was security at the front door this time, so he asked to see their IDs, and once they identified themselves and they asked to speak with a manager, uh, they learned that there was no manager on site. Instead, the security guard called down to the head of security, whose name is Charlie. He was at the end of the block speaking to someone in a car. Charlie came down to Skylark, spoke with our inspectors, but it was clear he was not familiar with the revised security plan. Our inspectors asked to see a copy of the door security's guard card, and proof of lead training, but he didn't have either. Um, they've already seen Charlie's guard card and lead training certification, so they didn't ask to see them. Um, they also asked Charlie if the security cameras were working because they're required to have both video and audio recording, but Charlie was able to confirm if they were happening or if cameras were even present. So I'm not sure if this was bad timing, but it was discouraging to see that the security plan was not being followed, nor was there a manager on site who could speak to the operations. Um, and of course, security should be familiar with their permit conditions. So we issued Skylark a citation for this permit violation and the owner was immediately receptive and responsive to my message. He acknowledged these gaps and outlined how he would rectify the situation, stating that he was going to meet with the staff to go over the revised security plan. He indicated that they will always have an on-site manager uh, Thursday through Saturday night and that he had put out an ad for a more mature head of security. And lastly, the owner shared that he will be selling the business, but in the meantime, will comply with his permit. So we'll follow up at Skylark before the end of the year. Please let me know if you have any questions. Who wants to start? Uh, I have some questions. Uh, Gestalt, we, what, uh, were we, we were going to bring them back in here. They're on the agenda this evening. This evening, got it. Okay, right. sorry, I'm just That's totally okay. blanked on that. Okay. Um, and then um, the other question was, actually, I'll, I'll hold off for a second. Does any other commissioners have questions? I'll wait for Gestalt. I had one, yeah. I had one, but I, uh, I'm blanking on it. Okay. 
Uh, I'm not seeing any more questions, so we'll open this up to public comment. No public comments for this item. All right, we'll close public comment. Thank you for that uh, and all the work that you're all doing through the holidays here. I'd like to say we'll get a break after New Year's, but something <laughs> tells me the Niners are going to be in the playoffs. Um, all right, so the next agenda item is uh, number seven, I believe, which is on the back. Six, sorry. I'm a little off tonight. Okay. It's just the holidays, I think. Um, all right, number six. Oh, I see. There it is. Uh, so this is a report from uh, Senior Analyst Rice and me and, and Deputy Director Azevedo. Already on uh, the Just Add Music okay. permit. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. So ready to go. Um, is the uh, public PC on? Yeah. Hi. Hi again, commissioners. So in this presentation, Dylan and I are going to be sharing with you about our jam to BAM transition. Um, we'll be sharing our goals, the implementation timeline for both the applicants and the EC staff and commission, and along with our next steps for the transition. So before we go any further, I'd like to explain quickly what jam to BAM stands for. So as you know, jam or just add music is our temporary pandemic permit that we've been issuing for outdoor entertainment and or amplified sound for the last two years during the emergency. The, um, and BAM stands for brick and mortar, which includes our limited live performance, the LLP, our place of entertainment, the POE, and our fixed place amplified sound or FPAS permits. So we are calling this transition jam to BAM because not only is it catchy, but it works. So as a quick note, once the jam permit program ends, we'll reinstate our one-time outdoor event permit that Dylan manages. Um, these, temp these events have been temporarily replaced by the JAM permit, but they'll come back online in 2023. So the Shared Spaces Pandemic Program and the JAM Permit Program are both slated to end on March 31st, 2023. This means that any business who currently holds a JAM permit and wishes to continue um, hosting ongoing outdoor entertainment and or amplified sound will need to apply for a permanent brick and mortar permit from our office. We are encouraging all of our JAM permit holders to begin the application process now so they can avoid a gap in their outdoor ongoing programming. In a moment, Dylan will share all of the outreach we've done to promote this messaging. So the first thing a business must do before they can apply for a brick and mortar permit with our office is get the appropriate property approval. So this is going to look different depending where the JAM permits activity is taking place. For a business with a parklet, they'll have to get approval from uh, the Shared Spaces per Program via a legislated Shared Spaces Permit. For businesses or events with a roadway closure, they'll need approval from SFMTA and or ISCOT. And for businesses with their activity occurring on private property, they'll need approval from their land use agency, so planning, port, or OCII. Once a business has the required property approval, then they can begin the brick and mortar application process with us, either a new brick and mortar application or an amendment to their existing POE or LLP. Thank you, Caitlin. So uh, this next slide is the why. Why are we doing this transition in the first place? 
And uh, besides wanting to align with the transition of shared spaces uh, program to permanency, this transition is really an opportunity to advance our entertainment commission goals of one, creating, sustaining, and supporting arts infrastructure. So with over 200 jam permits with ongoing activity, this would be a significant increase in the number of entertainment spaces in San Francisco. And two, the goal of supporting the livelihoods of entertainment and nightlife businesses and the workers. We've heard from the community that hosting outdoor entertainment and amplified sound has really increased their customer traffic and sales. And it also supports the recommendations of the Economic Recovery Task Force to help drive our city's economic recovery. That recommendation is uh, catalyze neighborhood recovery through the arts. All right, let's look at some uh, stats. So to give you a better idea of where we are with the transition, let's first start by looking at the current number of jam permits with ongoing entertainment or amplified sound. As of December 15th, we have 276 jam permits with ongoing activity across all property types. So the pie chart there breaks it down by property type. We have 82% of jams using parklets, which is obviously the vast majority. 13% are using private property and 5% are using roadway closures. Again, this is for ongoing activity. Note that we also have issued 387 jam permits for one-time events or special events, which adds up to a grand total of 663 jam permits to date. So how many of our jam permit holders have started the transition? Well, to date, DPW has received 468 applications for permanent parklets, and of those applications, only 22% are from our jam permit holders. And in that group, only one has been approved with modifications to their parklet, five are still posting and waiting for final inspection, and four have been closed or denied. It's important to note that none of the parklets with jams have finished the property approval process to become permanent. The final status is known as element status from DPW. There are still 78% of our jams that have not started to apply for the permanent parklet. Our priority is to encourage that remaining group to take advantage of this transition opportunity and get their application submitted to shared spaces by January 15th. For jams on private property, thank you, Caitlin, for managing that, there are 35 businesses that are eligible in zone to start the um, EC's permitting process. Two have submitted thus far to Deputy Director Azevedo. And then lastly, there are three roadway closures that have submitted ISCOT permits out of 16 recurring closures. Here are some key dates for the EC staff and commissioners. So by January 1, we will have launched our digital brick and mortar application. I'll be talking about that in just a moment. Um, between now and May 30, 2023, we will process any JAM to BAM applications for new brick and mortar permits or amendments to existing indoor POE or LLP permits who want to out add that outdoor component. Uh, the application process for jam to bam permits will look exactly like our current brick and mortar application process. So someone will apply with me, do intake, they'll post to the public, conduct neighborhood outreach, and attend an EC hearing. Uh, a few ways we plan to manage large volumes of applications is by having instructional videos to replace staff time for in lieu of the intake meetings. Um, so we'll do, the, do that for businesses with no enforcement history. Uh, we also plan to have FAQs on our website for applicants and for neighbors. 
And we may spe schedule special commission hearings as needed in the new year to accommodate large volumes of new applications. And lastly, we are exploring uh, fee waivers for all jam to ban permit holders so that we can waive their application fee along with their first annual license fee. This waiver program would also waive any new LLP permit applications. Um, so the cost would be waived for the businesses regardless if they had a jam permit or not. This timeline is still TBD and we'll be sure to let you know as soon as we have more info. So I'm super excited to share with you um, that we are in the home stretch for launching our digital brick and mortar permit application on our website. This has been a labor of love and I'm so excited to share the final product with you very soon. So the screenshot here is a snapshot of what the first page of the application website will look like. Um, it's designed to be a choose your own adventure type of application. So regardless of the permit uh, someone is applying for or permit types that someone is applying for, they'll go through this one application form. So meaning someone could apply for a POE, EHP, and a BP all at once through this, through this form. So we are currently in the staff user testing phase and I'll be opening up to public user testing this week. So far all of the feedback has been really positive and as you can imagine this is going to streamline our process tremendously. Um, not only will it be more user friendly for applicants but it'll be way more efficient for staff. And uh, one of the coolest features, in my opinion, is that it'll digitize all of the back-end data. So that'll make it a lot more efficient for pulling data, collecting data, and way better record keeping. Um, so the goal is to have this go live and on our website by January 1st. And when it does, I'll be sure to share it with you. Talk about timeline for permit holders. Let's look at some key dates and deadlines coming up for our permit holders, which you will see are fast approaching. January 9th, we will relaunch our original one-time outdoor event permit, like Caitlin mentioned, for any event that will happen after March 31st when the jam permit expires. January 15th is the application deadline for the permanent parklets and the roadway shared spaces. Then on March 31st, the jam and the shared spaces pandemic permits expire. And our goal is to get as many of those transitioned as possible by that date to prevent a gap in operations. We do have a 60-day wind-down period, or a grace period if you want to call it that, where jams in good standing can keep on operating at the location until May 30th. We are working closely with Shared Spaces team um, on coordination on the outreach and compliance to adhere to this timeline. If anything changes in this regard, we will definitely update you as soon as possible. Outreach, so in terms of outreach, since September, we have been promoting the shared spaces and jam transition messaging to our permit holders through our online channels like the e-blasts, the social, as well as our website. We did a special FAQ on the website. Deputy Director Azevedo has also been surveying and providing catered guidance to jams on private property based on a location's zoning and programming. Between now and January, we'll keep amplifying the message to our permit holders that they should apply for the shared spaces permit by January 15th and that they should act now to avoid a gap in your operations. On January 9th, the one-time outdoor event permit application will go live and we'll do an announcement in an e-blast and on social media. And then on an ongoing basis between now and May, we'll continue to push this messaging out in coordination with the shared spaces team. We'll be tracking the application data and the number of applications to really help us adapt our messaging as needed. So 
So that's the end of our presentation. Let us know if you have any questions, and thank you so much for your time this evening. Questions? Kurt Schwarzenegger. Hello, thank you for the presentation. Uh, with regards to accommodating the large volume of applications, you mentioned you're gonna do a video and FAQ for my website. I was wondering if you guys are also considering scheduling a one or two meetings, either in person or via Zoom, to accommodate any questions that people might have so they can all be at the same time and be able to address the questions at one, one or two times or whatever. Definitely. We did so many webinars during the pandemic, like the height of the pandemic, and they were really successful. So I think that's a great idea to, yeah. to do something. Yep. And then you can record it and share that version out. Mm -hmm. Questions? Um, two. One is, um, is there, was there any evident um, one reason for closures or denials for the ones that were closed or denied in terms of applications? Do you mean by public works? Uh, like the, there was like four, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, actually, I don't have the, those details in front of me, but that way public works made a determination. Okay. And sometimes it's just because, um, and I'm not speaking specifically to these that were denied, but sometimes it's because like when it was put up, the park was actually blocking a bus stop, you know, things like that. So sometimes it's just a matter of mm -hmm. transportation access. Right, I figured, and, and then, um, in terms of outreach, uh, I see interagency and um, shared spaces, but uh, are we including like stakeholder community organizations like merchants associations, CBDs and things like that? Yeah. No, but we can, yeah. absolutely. I mean, as a part of our outreach, yeah. Okay. I can help with the CBDs, so. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Questions? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, please go. Um, very encouraged by all the work going into this. I know there's a lot of planning in this type of transition. I'm always somebody that wants to streamline bureaucracy as much as possible, so very encouraged by the waiving of fees um, and the digitization of the application. It is still, of course, we're San Francisco and we're very bureaucracy heavy, and I see we still have to, the, of course, we have to get the, Department of Public Health and the Fire Department Assembly Permit, and then we still have to go through, um, you were saying all the like neighborhood, the neighbor notifications and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is there any way to cut some of that red tape because people have been existing jam holders or we, they still have to come for a permit mm -hmm. and still have to do all the neighborhood? There's no uh, like other grandfathering in? Well, so it's currently codified, right? Uh -huh. So we, they definitely do have to do a public notice and they do have to do neighbor outreach. Um, and I, for one, think it's actually gonna be helpful just because mm -hmm. that is what we have been communicating all along to businesses and to neighbors. Things are ready all out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good thing, <clears throat> especially because this JAM program was this emergency program and it did waive all of the requirements relative to public noticing and outreach. And so this does provide an opportunity, but what's great is that this has been like a sandbox for all of these permittees to be able to get to conditions that make sense. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, you know, our plan is anybody who we can put on consent with the conditions that they're at now, we will. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely music to my ears. Thank you. Oh. Well, uh, Commissioner Thomas, do you have any questions before I go? 
I do not. I'm very excited about the whole digitizing of the application forms, too. Nothing gets City Hall people going like digitizing forms. <laughs> Seriously. Um, myself included. Uh, a couple questions. So one, um, 468 applications for parklets. That's pretty impressive. That's more than my, I, I thought for the permanent parklets. Do we have a plan? Should we have a plan to reach out to people who maybe don't even know that they can get a new? You mean the legislated version, you mean? Yeah, so uh, so we said, you know, we have, what, 61 of those uh, or existing jam permits? Of yeah. Or 68, is that correct? 61, 22% uh, of the, as of last week, uh, were existing jam permits. So I'm, I'm just thinking about the other 78% oh. that don't have jam permits, oh. and wouldn't it be cool if they did have mm -hmm. LLPs? Oh. And should we maybe talk with the shared spaces folks to... Uh, send them a flyer after they apply or something, just saying, hey, just so you know, if you want to have some sort of music or art, then this is the process for that. Mm -hmm. Just to reach out to them. Yeah. It would be nice for that to come after yeah. <laughs> for our schedule, but yeah. but just over the course of this process, because I would imagine that quite a few of those don't even know. Yeah. That, that, that Especially the ones that are parklets as opposed to like a sidewalk tables and chairs, because for those, we've really found that like, the pre-recorded amp sound is the only thing that really makes sense because of space. While we have them in the throes of yeah. bureaucracy, we might as well uh, sure. let them know that we exist and that this program goes. It can't be that Doesn't hard hurt. to attach yeah. an email and send it over. Right. It's very good. Um, and then uh, I think we talked about it a little bit on being a consent agenda, but can you just fill us in on the horror that awaits us for approving 10 million of these at once? Is it, how are we going to, do we have a plan for how that's going to happen or? Do I have to help with that plan? Um, you will eventually help us set that agenda, yep. and um, Commission Secretary Leong will help schedule anything. Um, we may not even need special hearings for it. It depends. If it's just a giant consent calendar. Yeah, and it might be rolling mm -hmm. over a few months. It just kind of depends. We're sort of waiting to hear if there are changes to the timeline that might be impending. Um, and so if that occurs one way or the other, we're going to be ready to roll. Um, we might need a couple special hearings with you all to just review. But I think for the most part, we're going to put things on consent. Great. Mm -hmm. That's promising. Please. Addition. Hi. I, I'm just curious about the 16 roadway closures. Mm -hmm. Is that like the Valencia Street corridor and things like that? Do you know? Yeah, things ones? like um, that during the pandemic, um, the height of the pandemic, I should say, when things like slow streets and farmers markets were replying for this recurring weekly or monthly permit. So it's it's a relatively small group of that are have the roadway closures that are shared spaces. The vast majority are the going to be ISCOT permitted. Okay, thank you. Great. No more questions. Right, is there any public comment on this presentation? No public comments for this item. Okay, I'm gonna get my script out before I close this item. All right, we'll close that item. And the next agenda item is number seven, which is uh, an, a report from Senior Alice Rice. <laughs> Good job, Dylan. He's like taking a little set break. <laughs> Doing great. All 
All right, we got the public PC going. Yeah, there you go. All right, very good. Well, good evening. Tonight I'm going to report on key findings from our recent survey of entertainment and nightlife businesses in San Francisco. So first I'll go over the background and the purpose for the survey. This survey is a follow-up to our survey last year, which measured the impacts and needs of the industry as the city was just reopening. And this makes our third annual survey after we started in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. The purpose is to understand the continued financial and social impacts of COVID on entertainment and nightlife businesses in San Francisco, to identify their needs, their challenges and opportunities a year after reopening, and to help guide the ECs and the city's strategies to support their continued recovery. So during the uh, four-week period uh, in September and October, we had a total of 134 respondents compared to 163 last year. Responses were anonymous. For this year's survey, we focused on businesses. So this includes business owners, managers, nonprofit executives, and self-employed persons. That said, there's definitely more work that can be done um, in the future to expand networks with employees in the industry. So we divided the survey into four areas to help us understand industry profile, so which sectors are impacted and are we reaching the right people, their business impacts, so now that we're, we've reopened for more than a year, how are businesses faring financially and operationally and what are their biggest challenges? Our engagement, so how well informed and well supported are they in terms of our guidance and our customer service? And then lastly, industry priorities, what do they want the EC and the city to do to fully recover the industry? So we first wanted to know which sector of the industry they worked in, and the largest number of respondents said bar, live music venue, and or restaurant. So brick and mortar establishments were really the largest representatives in this sample. And in terms of which entertainment permits these businesses held, POEs, JAMs, and LLPs were the three most common. Overall, about two-thirds of our respondents said that they had at least one entertainment permit. So where are these businesses located in the city? Well, in terms of where entertainment options are most concentrated, the list of zip codes you see here is pretty reflective. So Mission, Soma, Hayes Valley, TL, Russian Hill, North Beach, with the exception of Castro, which only had three respondents this year, so it didn't pop up on, as the high on the list. So business impacts. So to measure financial impacts, we started by asking them about their financial outlook overall. Some relatively good news to share with you tonight. The majority, 79% of respondents said this year their business could operate beyond six months. And about 16% said they could operate between three and six months. One said they had gone out of business. So this is a significant improvement from last year's numbers where 54% of respondents said that they could operate beyond six months and 28% said six months or less. Then we asked them to rate their concern that their business will need to permanently close. The numbers this year tell us that more than one-fourth gave a rating on the higher end of concern, between eight and 10, and one-third gave a rating on the lower end of concern, between three and one. 
Compared to last year's survey, the improvement here is relatively minor. This is between six and 10% range difference um, in both directions. So my takeaway here is that despite some businesses being around for six plus months, there are still many businesses concerned that they will need to close in the long term. We also looked at indicators such as loss of income and staffing. Compared to 2021, generally people are reporting sales are up, but there are still many who are saying that their sales are down. It's pretty broad distribution as you can see here. And compared to 2019, not surprisingly, most people said their sales are down, with 35% saying that their sales are down more than 50%. Now let's look at staffing. So compared to 2019, this year has seen a loss of nearly four FTEs on average. And this slide here confirms that more than two-thirds are dealing with staffing shortages. Some of their solutions and adaptations included things like constantly recruiting, working more hours, and reducing hours and reducing shifts. Attendance was another indicator of both financial and social impacts. The vast majority of venues and event organizers reported that attendance was down compared to 2019, with 42% reporting that attendance was down 50%. It's pretty significant. So to see how our numbers compare to the citywide economic recovery, here are a couple slides from the, uh, the city economist and the controller's office. So in terms of job growth, here's what they found. In September and October of this year, the leisure and hospitality industry saw its first job growth since the pandemic began, a few thousand more jobs. So hopefully that's a sign that staffing shortages will find some relief soon. And looking at the opening of new restaurants and bars in San Francisco, the numbers from the controller's office say new business locations have been steadily increasing since May of this year. So you can see the orange line as the indicator there. These next slides will illustrate concerns and challenges reported by businesses across several issue areas. So when it comes to public safety concerns at their location, 68% said they agree or strongly agree with the statement. The most common concerns selected were safety to employees and to patrons and property damage. In terms of concerns about public health, most respondents, 42%, said they agree or strongly agree, selecting COVID and drug overdoses as their most common concerns. One quarter of respondents were neutral, and one quarter were in the disagree, strongly disagree range. Now, vast majority, nearly three-fourths, said that they had concerns about street cleanliness. And when it comes to late-night transit, 55% said they had concerns, and one-third said they, they were neutral. These next two slides delve into their top three challenges to successfully operating their business. You'll see that staffing shortages got the most with 41 mentions followed by lower attendance, lower sales, 
and neighborhood and street safety. The next common challenges reported were street and sidewalk conditions due to homelessness, encampments, and overall street cleanliness, as well as higher costs of doing business and overall inflation challenges. Let's switch gears to see how businesses view the EC's engagement, education, and customer service. So like last year, our e-newsletter was the primary channel that people used to receive guidance during the emergency, followed by our website and social media. So there's really room to improve, though, because nearly one-third of respondents said that they haven't been using our online channels at all. And when polled on what topics they want to receive more education and guidance on, music licensing and safety and security best practices received the most responses, followed by mediation with neighbors and harm reduction. So how did businesses feel about our staff's responsiveness to their needs or questions? Like last year, most respondents gave us high ratings in this area. Two-thirds gave us ratings between eight and 10 on the responsive, very responsive side. Only 15% of respondents gave us a rating of five or lower. And these final slides tonight will cover what businesses want from us and from the city in terms of help and their biggest priorities. So in terms of what the EC can do more or do differently to help their businesses, the most common priorities mentioned were to advocate for overall industry recovery. One person said, help us stay alive. Advocate for more funding, more grants for businesses. Advocate for street cleanliness advocate for public safety. They also said they wanted us to promote specific entertainment and nightlife businesses. They want us to make the permitting process easier, to clarify and streamline the rules, the applications, the ways to be compliant. And they want us to improve mediation for neighbor complaints. You know, one neighbor's complaint should carry less weight in decision making. Now, in terms of what the city can do to help the industry fully recover, the most common themes were more funding to support businesses, like grants and fee waivers, cleaning up the streets, improve safety on the streets and at their businesses, reduce crime, less red tape for permits and for the rules, both from the city side and from ABC, help the homeless population, get them into housing, increase late night transportation, and more resources for businesses like trainings and networking. So that's the end of the presentation. Thank you so much for your time this evening, and I'm here to answer any questions. The complete findings are located in your folder if you want to dig, dig deep and look at the data more closely. Thank you very much. Questions? Uh, I just want to thank you for this survey um, and how comprehensive it is. Uh, a lot of the numbers reflect um, the consensus of myself and, and colleagues of mine at work in the nightlife industry. They, it's almost the numbers that people kind of have conjected over the past couple of years are almost exactly the same as what the real data shows, especially in regards to staffing challenges, um, 
shortages, employment safety, and uh, the reduction in sales. And so I, uh, I think that from a nightlife worker's uh, perspective, I look forward to continuing the conversations I've been having with staff and with uh, the executive director and, and my colleagues here on the board in regards to um, perhaps initiating another survey that, that speaks directly and gathers information from workers themselves, because I know that this was by and large um, decision makers and, and the people that hold the permits themselves. So uh, thank you for all this. It's, um, it's really important. Thank you. I just also want to thank you and the staff for the, all the work and effort I got put into this. I think it's really good to have the data uh, and the information so that we'll know the path forward and how we can do better and where we can focus our priorities and attention in the future. So thank you for the work. Very welcome. I'm the messenger, so take the message and use it how, how you will. <laughs> Commissioner Thomas, do you have any questions, comments? Um, you know, thank you for putting all of this together. I know it's a lot of work to get all of this together and analyzed, um, but I think it's really useful. Of course, the unsurprisingly, the overdose prevention um, needs and desires for support around that certainly stood out to me, and I think that's consistent with uh, the work that we're that we're planning to do around. Um, providing more training for staff and, and uh, venue owners on ensuring that they've got overdose prevention tools in Narcan on site. Um, so yeah, I think that validates the need to move forward with that. Great. All right, I just had a couple comments slash questions. So that we, in my own businesses, we had, we've been dealing with the staffing shortages issues. And part of it is that staff evaporated and it's hard to find good people, but part of it is the customers disappeared in so many areas. And it's really hard to attract good staff if they're not making as much money. And in many cases, like in, you know, one of my businesses tips are down probably 70% of what they were before. So you just can't get the same people working the same and, and, uh, and retain them. So, you know, it's kind of a chicken or egg, right? It's like, you need the people, but you need the staff. But I think it's more that, that, that the customers have in most cases not come back, uh, across the board, but in some cases have shifted like downtown is not, has a fraction of their previous customer base that they used to have. And some areas, maybe a couple places are doing slightly better than before, but that's definitely not the rule. So, you know, for me personally, it's about you know, how do we make this city a place where the customers return to and want to go out in? And that's a hard thing to, to do. Um, I just want to flag uh, some legislation on the state level as well that I think we just need to follow, which was it was a part of uh, Scott Wiener's uh, 793 last year, which would allow outdoor entertainment zones where you could permit large areas. And the, the point of that was not just to permit a street fair, but it was to allow the businesses that are um, adjacent or part of a, of an area that has an outdoor event to actually participate in serving people, uh, rather than having to bring in an outside vendor with, with, uh, who doesn't necessarily benefit the, the immediate blocks. And I, I know, um, you know, in communications with Scott Wiener's office that they are planning on taking another swing at that this year. And I would just encourage anyone, uh, to, um, 
get on board with that and really advocate for it because I think that could be huge if, you know, for example, if the city were to uh, promote, you know, outdoor events around where they brought in bands, um, it would be great not to have a vendor selling beer or drinks or whatever it is. It would be great if people could just walk into a local restaurant and walk out if it's fenced in with, and uh, anybody who's worked, certainly you have, Al, I know you have, um, these street fairs are incredible boons. Uh, you know, you can make, you know, um, a month's worth of money in a single day, and that's a huge economic boon to businesses. So that's something I'm going to be pushing for, and uh, we really hope that, that it won't get left on the cutting room floor this year. I know Ben Van Houten's hard at work on that, too. Uh, he's here somewhere. He's, I can, some of his beard hairs are <laughs> floating down like, like snow over all of us. Um, and then... Uh, a couple other things. So I just want to point out too. So um, you know, we, we we didn't do the full chief economist's report, but the loss of jobs in the hospitality industry is overwhelmingly from marginalized communities and communities who don't normally get resources and don't have access to wealth and things like that. So just to point that out, I think it's really important. Um, we've lost, you know, the people who debatably could use this. Uh, revenue and this economic benefit the most are the ones who have been left behind. So that kind of gives us even more of a impetus to try to do something about it best we can. Um, and then the final thing, I just want to point out that, you know, um, for permit holders that they, that they mentioned that better mediation with neighbors um, would be helpful. I actually don't think that's the issue. I think it's that they don't know how good we are at helping with that. Um, and I think so maybe it's just a communication strategy. I'm not saying we offer free mediation services across the board, but mediation is a significant portion of a lot of your days, many of you. And I think uh, some permit holders don't quite realize that they can come to us and that that's literally our job to do. Um, and, you know, there's back channel stuff that can be done and there's also official stuff that can be done. And so to me, that's that's not... That, that would be low-hanging fruit for us just to, to just communicate with people and let them know that when you do have a, uh, a neighbor complaint that you're not alone and that that's our job is to, is to get well, in. Well, I mentioned this verbally. One of the perceptions is that you know, one neighbor could have too much influence in the decision-making. And so that's that's another sort of thing to consider too. Yeah, and and just the nature of our city is, and it, it is, and the nature of our city is that you know a lot of our entertainment venues and permits happen to be in dense residential neighborhoods, which is unlike many, many other cities on earth. Um, so that, uh, you know, whether or not that we can solve that, at least, you know, knowing that they can come to us and that they don't have, they're not on an island. Because, I mean, we talk about things like that all the time. Um, so to me, that would be kind of an easier one. So those are my ideas, but great, great survey. I'm, I'm happy so many people responded. Um, you know, I know there is also a focus on downtown and, I know that a lot of people think that downtown is, um, you know, is is the haves and the have-nots are outside of downtown. I don't think a lot of many people kind of connect how much of our, um, how much of everything in this building and everything in the city operates because downtown has been doing so traditionally well and adding to the tax base. And I think that's a real area that everyone needs to look at. Uh, it's kind of a mutually assured destruction situation. So, Al. 
just follow up on what you mentioned about being downtown. Now that with a lot of people are working from home and not necessarily in the city, uh, if they were, they live in the suburbs or East Bay, they're not going to be in San Francisco to do a happy hour necessarily right after work. I was just wondering if you have any other information or data that kind of reflect that new reality. Yes, that sounds right. There was... Um I need to get back to you. There was definitely some people talking about concerns with the change in demographics and the, the remote workers not coming back downtown. Um, and that's a, a big part of the uh, chief yeah. economist's reports that they have, which we yeah. can easily get to you because I've, I've looked at them and they're terrifying. They're crazy. The commissioner president, I'm happy to get back to you with some of those yeah. data points, yeah. I, I think that the, the cultural shift that has happened since... Um, the pandemic is is definitely palpable, and and I don't know what the key solution, as you were saying, what's the what comes first, chicken or the egg, like in terms. But it, it has you know resulted in um, you know everything from attendance to tipping culture has changed drastically since that time. Uh, one thing I wanted to dovetail off of that you shared, especially in the impact to marginalized communities, <clears throat> and I hope that this the data from the survey helps unseat the notion that's kind of being banding, bandied about lately, which is that we don't need as robust a night uh, overnight transportation system as we have had in the past. And, and I think that the people that really feel the scaling down of um, overnight transportation, public transportation, are marginalized communities because they're the ones that are closing up these establishments and cleaning them and cleaning them overnight. So I think that that's important. Um, I have a data point to share that's relevant to that um, sure. that I didn't put in the slides, but at the very end of the survey, we we asked about their um, identity and their background, and uh, we had 92 respondents answer, um, which is not everyone because it's an optional um, question, but 55% said that they were minority-owned, 26% said they were immigrant-owned. 47% uh, said they were women-owned. 20% said they were LGBTQ-owned. And then 22% said they were serving a specific ethnic or cultural clientele. And you could select more than one of those responses. But the minority-owned, I think, is pretty, pretty profound. I think that's fantastic and all the more reason why we need to ensure that these businesses stay <laughs> business if those... Um, if that much of a percentage of representation is, is there in the city, you know. Great. All right, any further questions? All right, is there any public comment on this agenda item? Uh, there are no public comments for this item. All right, we'll close this and we'll go to number eight, which is hearing and possible action regarding applications for permits under the jurisdiction of the Entertainment Commission. And Deputy Director Azevedo will introduce the consent agenda. Thanks, President Blyman. So we have four limited live performance permits for indoor entertainment on the consent agenda this evening. Um, please note that since we did issue a notice of violation to Arepas for having entertainment without a permit over the weekend, um, and they are currently on consent, I am recommending that the commission move them to the regular agenda. So if you would like to do that, you'd need to have a motion and take a vote to make that change now. I'm all for moving them, uh, just for the record, to the regular agenda. Second. Um, so I'll motion. 
and then there's a second, and then we do have to have public comment on that. Is there any public comment on that motion? Okay, all right. I'm sorry, what's happening? <coughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, public comment on moving a request to the regular agenda. Okay. Okay. Uh, no public comments on that. Okay, we can vote. Uh, President Blyman? Aye. Commissioner Perez? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, so now we're on the consent agenda. Correct, yes. So now we have three LLP permits for um, indoor entertainment on the consent agenda tonight. Please note that we did receive one letter of opposition for Eye and Hand Society, which is included in your file. But when I asked the neighbors if they wanted to be connected with the business, they declined. In response to the opposition towards Eye and Hand Society, I sent a letter to the neighbor on behalf of the applicant, and I did not receive a response back. Regarding staff recommended conditions, I want to point out that due to the zoning district where Mona Lisa Mare e Monte is located, their indoor entertainment would have to end by 10 p.m., rather than 11 p.m. Further, Central Station has recommended their standard calendaring condition for this business. Aside from the staff recommended internal sound limit for Eye and Hand Society, there were no added conditions from SFPD for these permits. Staff recommend com the commission vote to approve the consent agenda with the staff recommendations below. Do we have a motion to approve the consent agenda? I'd like to make a motion to approve the consent agenda with the staff recommended conditions. Is there a second? Seconded. Is there any public comment on any of the businesses on the consent agenda? No. Um, oh, two, two online. One second. Okay. All right. I'm going to unmute the first person with their hand up, Adam Williams. Hey, Adam, if you can hear us, please unmute. And you have three minutes for your public comment. Yes, are you able to hear me? Yes. Awesome. So just wanted to comment on the Eye and Hand Society uh, permit. I'm a local resident at uh, 33rd and Balboa and uh, greatly in favor of this as it's uh, a local business that brings art and music uh, entertainment to an area that basically doesn't have a lot to offer in the nightlife past the Balboa Theater and Hockey Haven. So this extra added benefit to allow the promotion of local art and music, I think would be great for the neighborhood. And that's all that I need to say. Thank you so much, Adam. All right, we have another person with their hand raised. Claire Fidewa, I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, give me one second, I have to move her to become a panelist because of a technical problem. Hey, Cl oh. hey Claire. Hi. Hello. Hi, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Okay, great. You have three minutes. 
Perfect. Thank you. Um, well, I uh, my name's Claire, and I live in the Outer Richmond. I actually live two doors down from Iron Hand, um, and I wanted to also um, voice my support for this business. Um, I just wanted to share. I think they're really great neighbors. They're super conscientious of the fact that um, you know there's little kids in my building on sleep schedules, and they always check in with us to make sure that things are good. Um, they support their fellow local schools and businesses, and you know promote other small businesses in the area, which I think is phenomenal. Um, they do a lot to make sure that, you know, the neighborhood and the block are clean. Um, and so, you know, I'm really excited. It's a mom and pop shop. You know, I'm really excited for them to have um, live music. I think it's going to add to the vibrancy and culture um, that is often a hallmark of big city living. And um, I'm really excited to see what they bring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sounded like my house. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm used to it. All right. Any further comments? All good. I think uh, there are no more public comment for this item. All right, we'll close public comment and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Commissioner Perez? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. Okay. All right, consent agenda has been approved. Congratulations. Uh, please follow up with our staff at your earliest convenience for next steps. And I'll turn things back over to Deputy Director. Great. So first up on the regular agenda is going to be Arepas, the Latin restaurant located at 3198 16th Street. They're applying for an LLP permit to host indoor entertainment. Their proposed programming plans include singers, live bands, DJs, comedians, and possibly karaoke. They are coming into compliance by applying for this permit as they've already begun hosting entertainment. Entertainment Commission staff have set an internal sound limit for their LLP permit, which you will see included in the staff recommendation below. After setting their sound limit, senior inspectors of Rena explained that the, due to the lack of sound absorbing materials and sound abatement, the business is a naturally lively room. He said that one way to best contain the sound in the space would be to install sound curtains covering all of the front windows, or at least the windows where the sound system is set up. And this would help mitigate sound leakage through the front of the business to the corner of 16th and Guerrero. Other potential soundproofing options are adding sound treatments in the form of acoustic foam or panels located on the walls behind the bar or on the ceiling. This would help absorb sound waves and dampen reverberation throughout the space and help to mitigate sound escaping towards upstairs neighbors. And while we cannot require the soundproofing, I did want to share his recommendations after experiencing the sound firsthand. Um, I... I've already told you about the enforcement, so I don't think I need to re repeat that because that's you've already that's already on record. Um, that is great. Okay, so outreach. Um, the business distributed 70 letters to their surrounding residential neighbors, and a copy of that letter is included in your file tonight. There was one opposition um, su submitted that's also in your file, and there were no added conditions from SFPD. So here to speak to you tonight is the owner, Joanna Torres. Hi, good evening. Um, I'm Joanna Torres. I'm one of the owners of Arepas. Uh, this is like a Latin cuisine. Um, you know, I'm from Ven originally from Venezuela, and we want to bring some culture to the neighborhood. 
Uh, it's no Venezuelan restaurant in the area, actually in the whole Bay Area. I opened my first restaurant in San Jose uh, last year, October 2021. And then everybody used to drive three hours, two hours from you know the San Francisco, from Modesto, everywhere. So everybody's like, you need to open in the city. So I decided to do it. And you know, it's a really expensive place. <laughs> I want to make it really fun. I want you know everybody to uh, have an experience what Venezuelan and Colombia and you know the culture is, the food is. So I decide to have some entertainment, and people is like you know local musicians. They really want to you know they reach to me. They want to play music there, and I think you know I have a really good you know. Um, People really love it, you know, and this is why I decided to do that. And I think, um, you know, it's going to be great for the community. Uh, I love to do stuff with the community. We have some uh, involvement too with the uh, San Jose City College, and then we bring all our workers to make sure they go to school and they learn English. And even our clients, a lot of Venezuelans, Colombians, are, you know, they come to our restaurants. We make sure they go to school and they learn English and they grow up in, the, in, in, you know, in, in the city. So, um, yeah, we have a few complainings. I'm, I'm worried about it because I don't <coughs> want to have any issues. But I have, you know, a lot of people that I know, they own businesses there. They told me, you're going to have one person they complain all the time. And it's the same person over and over and over. You have to get used to it. I don't want to have any issue with that person. I wish to talk to that person, see what I can do to, to make it, you know, nice, smoothly, and don't have, you know, any problems and issues in the future. So I don't know any recommendation, what I should do, but, you know, I want to make everything right for everybody in the community. Questions for Johanna? Just a clarifying um, question. The uh, there's only one um, complaint complaint attempt primarily. There was a letter of concern that was submitted initially from a neighbor, but after responding, I responded to the neighbor. There was no back and forth, so I didn't even consider opposition. It was more just voicing concern, and it seemed to be quelled through education. So I would say that there is one person complaining who has submitted 311 complaints and an email directly to me. Okay. So Joanna, can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of measures you're gonna take to you know, um, mitigate the sound? Uh, you are in a pretty dense area, but it's a busy commercial corridor, but there's also a lot of residences around. What kind of steps? I know Caitlin outlined some of the recommendations. Anything that, that I need to do to improve, you know, like nobody can, you know, don't bother the neighbors, I will do it. You know, whatever, you know, whatever it takes to, you know, to make the place right for all the neighbors and don't have any issues, you know, I will do it. I'm so willing to do everything. One of our neighbors, her name is Maria. She say she sleep, her bed is on the top where the, we play the music and she say, doesn't bother her at all. She say, well, I don't hear anything but get used to it is one person here that is going to complain all the time, so get used to it. So I don't know about whatever recommendations from the inspector, you know, if whatever, if I have to do some proof, whatever that I have to do, definitely I'm willing to do it. 
They did mention, just to remind you, installing sound curtains, covering the front windows, and um, also uh, sound treatment in a, the form of acoustic foam or panels on the wall or on the ceiling. So those might be some things you... Supposedly, I, I talked to the previous, um, you know, the not the owner, was a guy that used to bartender in the same place. Uh, he informed me they deal that. He said, you know, we already deal the soundproof, uh, but he said that didn't do anything. He said he even got equipment where they even uh, measured the sound. And he said, he always said, you know, the sound is the right sound, but they always complain anyway. Um, he said even the person used to come from the back door. And so I, you know, like I say, if I have to, because he said there was already there some proof. I don't know, I don't have the knowledge, but I can bring someone to, and Maria said she doesn't hear anything. Okay. So, and she's the one live on the top floor. Okay. So. Well, these were recommendations our senior inspector made after seeing the site, I think. So um, these might be things that he recommends. Okay, do you have anybody that you can refer me to see the person who can do stuff like that? No, I'm afraid we don't. Uh, yeah. Vendor recommendations. Aside from offering like recommendations, if you want to go further into seeing what you might do, you would probably want to. No, I mean like as yeah. somebody who can check how also, do I, I can, uh, you know, do the soundproof and somebody who would really like do it and say, okay, like the construction of it? Exactly. Yeah. Like something like... You would probably want to make sure to hire a contractor for, for that kind of work. To also, offline, I have extensive experience in okay. this exact realm. <laughs> I've had 11 brick-and-mortar spots, and every one of them has minimum of one neighbor, minimum. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm happy to just provide some okay. uh, non-entertainment commission uh, assistance outside of that. Um, did you have something you want to ask? Yeah, I just, I think I, <clears throat> I understand. There's a, uh, a lot of these kinds of construct, the prospect of these kind of construction um, mitigations and stuff is a little daunting. I think that there is one uh, very simple one that I think I would recommend um, if this is approved is, well, and number one, thank you for, you know, making the effort to get this finalized because this is the most important part. But <clears throat> also in the approval of this and something that has been communicated to you and your staff is that there is the is the part about hours you know and making sure that think that you know the live music component isn't after a certain hour and i think that's a very easy step in order to for your own you know for your business's success and and, exactly. and the people that are attending it yeah mr Perez. hello thank you for coming in First, I want to thank you for coming in to be in compliance with the rules and regulations of entertainment in San Francisco. And also for, thank you for bringing Venezuelan cuisine and culture in San Francisco. It's so nice to really have diversity in the city. Uh, my question is, um, how do you plan to respond to future complaints from your neighbors in real time? If they are hearing some kind of a noise or complaints, um, how would you respond? What's your operating procedure to respond to those in real time? Yeah, I think number one is to follow the rules. You know, I want to make sure the volume is, you know, what the permit allows. That's number one. And I think if I follow the rules and, you know, with the compliance, I don't think I'm going to have those issues. But if I have those issues, <laughs> I think I need to address with the specific with the person to see how do we can both get to, you know, to a solution. 
but within your staff, what's the procedure? So if somebody calls your your business, there's a complaint, and how does that then get resolved internally? How does it get to you, and you know, how do you resolve that? Yeah, I think we have to implement like a new uh, policies and procedures regarding that. Um, I have I have other businesses, and I own my backgrounds in finance. I have no idea anything about restaurant. I'm so new in in this area, but I will make sure I will you know create new policies and procedures, and then have a meeting with all my employees and see how we're going to you know follow those procedures and make sure you know everything goes well <laughs> with the city. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so I have a few things. Um, so first of all, um, I just want to be really clear what, who we are and what we do, just because it, it sounds like uh, there was some confusion there. So we, we were essentially created 20 years ago because the police were the ones enforcing sound, and they were very, very bad at it. So when neighbors had complaints, no offense to the police, they're great at things. <laughs> enforcing sound, I think they'd agree, is not their favorite part of their job, and they don't want to be doing it. So um, there were some instances where the, the police were uh, not enforcing sound in a way that anybody wanted, and that's how the, the Entertainment Commission started, and we became a place that sat between neighbors and music licenses for live music. So live music is anything that's not Spotify on a computer, right? So um, unless it's a one person with acoustic guitar. So you can't have a permit, you can't have a band with two people with acoustic guitars. You can't have, it, it doesn't matter if they're plugged in or not, et cetera. So when you get a license from us, it's, you are then subject to us as the regulators. We have a dual mission. It's in, we're, we're a charter amendment. So it's in the, it's in the charter that we both simultaneously regulate sound and enforce security and sound, but also that we promote nightlife. So we're a, a very strange uh, combination of things as far as city hall goes, right? So, um, you know, like place like DPH is, you know, the Department of Public Health, it doesn't have a mission to also promote small business, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. just there to, to make sure things are healthy, right? So I think you'll actually find us, uh, our team here to be incredibly committed to both sides of that mission. And, uh, and in fact, I think, I don't know if you were seeing the survey, that, but 66% uh, of respondents of the people that we regulate mm -hmm. yeah. gave us an eight to 10 in, in being responsive and helpful. So um, I don't know any, I haven't seen survey results for other city departments that regulate businesses, but I would venture to say that we're probably the top <laughs> of all of them uh, because most of them did not <laughs> have that kind of relationship with the people they regulate, right? So um, I would definitely utilize the knowledge that our staff has, and I'm happy to talk to you offline about my knowledge. So that's one thing. So the good thing, the bad thing about that is that you know we will send our inspectors by, and they will check on you, and they will check to make sure music isn't going past 11. It's 11 for this LLP. So it does need to be cut off at 11, before 11, every single time. There's no, oh, one more song or something, right? Because that'll get, that'll cause problems. A neighbor will record it, and then we'll find out you're outside, of, you're not operating compliant. So that's, that's the, the kind of the downside of having to deal with us. The upside is that if we show up and you are in compliance, especially numerous times, then we deprioritize uh, and we, we have a limited amount of resources, and we're not able to send an inspector every single time, say, one neighbor complains, right? Um, if they complain multiple times and we show up and we find everything to be in order, then we say, okay, they're doing, you're doing your part, 
right? So maybe that neighbor is, is hearing something else or maybe they're confused or this or that. So it's, a, it's actually a really nice balance that is struck. Uh, as long as you follow the rules that we give, then that. That said, I think you know making finding these neighbors or wherever they are has been a strategy that personally for me has been the most effective beyond just following the rules. And in in 15 years of owning businesses in this city and having an incredible number of neighbors complaining at me just constantly, I have found the by far the best way to 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 uh, to stop that or to work through it is to literally just make friends with them. And yeah, they, they will say, you know what? You were a little loud last night. Can you, can you be quieter tonight? And I'll say, no problem. And they say, thank you, because I, they know that I'm actually trying and I'm not just that. And I'll just add one more thing to that is that, you know, Commissioner Perez pointed out that if somebody has a complaint, they can call 311 and they can call the police, right? By the time they do that, they're very angry and they feel helpless and they can't sleep or they're upset, right? So it's a lot better if they have your cell phone number. Right, and not just yours, but your managers. And so when we have, when we've had repeated issues with neighbors, we have a text chain that's the neighbor, and then and then all of our managers. So it doesn't matter who's working that night. And that neighbor's just able to say, "Hey, it's a little loud," and we say, "No problem, turn it down." We may not turn it down all the way that they want it to be, but they're just so thankful for that because in the heat of the moment, when they're upset, when they actually have some semblance of control over the situation, it tends to just calm them down. Um, so I would really recommend, uh, you know, really do, going above and beyond to reach out. The other thing is that as the business owner, you have to be the adult. The neighbors are under no, whether or not this one neighbor is or isn't, they're under no responsibility. They don't have a license. So no matter what they say to me, no matter what terrible things come out of their mouths, I have to be the adult, right? And I have to say thank you very much. You know, I'm sorry. I'll do my best, and that's that just comes with the responsibility of having the, the the license that we give you. So I think overall, it's it's uh, you can mitigate this. It's happening all over the city every single night. So it's not just this one spot that you that you have there. It's <laughs> like hundreds and hundreds of places have this, and that's really why we exist. So I would really encourage you to stay in constant communication. If you get a you know if you get a text, you don't need to let us know. But if there's a 311 complaint and you hear from us, you, or you may just want to reach out to our staff and say, hey, I know this happened. I'm taking measures to fix it. Here's what I'm doing. That'll go a long way. And eventually, if we know that you're responsible and that you're doing everything by the, by the, by the letter, then, then that every, you know, we're clear. We're, in, we're following our law. You're following your law, and everybody's okay. So sorry if I was speaking a lot there, but um, I think it might be helpful. Yeah, actually, the inspector that went Flore uh, Florentino, I think, he gave me some advice, exactly what you told me right now. And, you know, and I appreciate that. And, you know. Yeah, and we, you know, I've done soundproofing many, many times, and there's some things that cost a lot of money and have literally no benefit, like a study where you hire, you know, some high-priced person to come in and study the sound, um, and they literally give you a piece of paper where they changed the last person's name to your name on it for $3,000 or something, and that's all <laughs> they did. Um, and then there's other things that really work, moving speakers, uh, taking speakers away from the wall so they're not stuck on the wall. Sound curtains are huge, uh, helpful, and I'm happy to chat with you yeah, uh, offline about some of those things. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. All right, any it. further questions? All right, you can have a seat. Thank you very okay, much. Thank you. 
All right. Um, any more comments from commissioners before we move on to motions? All right. Seeing none, let's see. Does anybody want a motion? Yeah, I would move to approve with the good neighbor policy and the sound abatement internal limit approved at 86 DBA, 91 DBC max um, per the staff recommendation. So you're moving to approve with the staff recommendation. moving to approve with the staff recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there a second? Second. Is there any public comment on Arepas? Uh, hi, uh, I just want to express my support for uh, Arepas. Um, as a new neighbor, uh, I've just had a handful of chances to go in there, but it's a wonderful restaurant, great food. I think it's going to be amazing if they have live music there. That's all. Thanks. Thank you. There are no more further public all right, comment. We'll close public comment and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Commissioner Perez? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, congratulations, you've been approved. Uh, please follow up with um, our staff as soon as possible for next steps. And uh, going forward, let's make sure you're very clear on the rules going forward. Okay. Thank you. All right, uh, now we have one regular permit application on the regular agenda and Deputy yep. Director will introduce this. Great. The final permit on our regular agenda this evening is for a POE and BP change in ownership permit for kilowatt located at 3166 16th Street. A new team of three industry folks have bought the space and are very excited to revive the business with live entertainment programming, including live bands, drag shows, comedy, and more. They will be keeping the DBA name Kilowatt, but are currently revamping the inside of the space. They are slated to reopen their doors early next year. When their sound system is ready, EC staff will set an internal limit in accordance with MPC Article 29. In your file, you'll see a copy of their outreach letter, which was distributed to 44 neighboring commercial and residential units. They also have an online petition supporting their POE permit application, which at the time of writing this memo had over 2,500 signatures. We did receive one letter of opposition, but the applicants have since spoken with this neighbor in person and quelled their concerns by explaining their plans for keeping the alleyway clear of people loitering. There, will, there was no added conditions from um, Mission Station, and we are recommending approval with the good neighbor policy. So here to speak with you this evening are owners Katie Rose McCarthy, Peter Niven, and Rick Yusey. Hello. Hello, guys. Thanks for having us. I'm Katie Rose. Uh, I'm Peter Niven. And I'm Rick Yusey. And Caitlin, that was a great intro. It was half of what I was going to say. <laughs> but um, yeah, we are the new owners of Kilowatt on 16th Street in Valencia, more closer to Albion Alleyway. Um, so that place has, the Kilowatt has a rich history of music venue as a bar, event space. Our goal is to preserve that history revive the space, keep it a friendly neighborhood bar where everybody is welcome, um, but breathe new life and, and new energy into the, the live music that has, hasn't been there in, in maybe a decade. So we hope to bring that back. The three of us are really passionate about that industry. I, I was counting, I think between the three of us, we have over 40 years of music venue work experience. We've worked at Bottom of the Hill, 
for almost a decade. The Parkside, um, we're very familiar with entertainment commissions. We've seen your people come out and talk to them. Uh, we're used to uh, basically working in venues that are semi-residential and having a good relationship with neighbors is very important, one of the most important things. So we've given neighbors our personal cell phone number, uh, encourage them to send us pictures of their dogs, you know, the normal thing. Um, so I just wanted to say even being here is sort of the honor of my lifetime. It's made, I think, everything that I've done up to this point make sense, like, oh, this is what I was supposed to do. And uh, I think all of us probably feel the same way, but I will let them take it over. We're going to go over the history of Kilowatt. It's pretty wild. Yes, she's definitely right about all that. <laughs> Absolutely. So we put together a, a PowerPoint presentation basically to go over the history of what the building at uh, 3160 16th Street has been. So uh, as it started out, it was built in 1900. Uh, it was firehouse number seven, which was actually during the 1906 earthquake uh, known as the firehouse that saved the mission. So, and while they were out fighting the fires, that building actually got damaged and was burnt. So it was rebuilt in 1906, and this is actually a photo that's up there now, um, which I verified with Jamie O'Keefe from the San Francisco Fire Department History Museum. This photo was taken in 1914, so it's the actual inside of the building of uh, Kilowatt, currently. Uh, so if you look into the background of this photo, it's essentially a hayloft, and just under that is where the current stage will be, which later on in the presentation, we have some photos of that. Um, so I was digging around in the, in the attic the other day, and I actually came across this helmet shield on the right side uh, covered in dust from that time period. And if you look at the photo, we've zoomed in on the left-hand side. It's an actual shield that's about the same from that time period. I actually sent that over to Jamie O'Keefe, and she was pretty blown away. Um, so it, we're not sure exactly how long that the building functioned as um, a firehouse, but we do know that in 1968, the building sold at auction to Raymond F. Clark, which currently his sons still own the building, and it's been a single owner since the firehouse. Um, and then most of the history that we've been able to kind of put together shows that the building has been used as a venue or a place of entertainment. Um, the closest that we found was basically the mid to late 80s, uh, Firehouse Number 7, and the next store was the 16th Note um, uh, music store. So they ended up doing shows together. This was one of the flyers that we have that was sent to us. And then I'm going to let Peter take oh, over. Yeah. Um, just want to say, as, as like a huge music history nerd, it's, it's an honor to be taking over this space. And... Uh, it's been really cool to dig through um, all this history. These are some photos we found downstairs uh, when it was Paula's Clubhouse, uh, which was a uh, queer bar and event space in the 80s and early 90s. Um, so while both these venues uh, provided live uh, music and performance, uh, Kilowatt continued this, uh, and they opened as a music venue in 1994. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's another shot of the inside of... Paula's Clubhouse, and that dude's got a sweet red vest. Uh, all right, cool. <laughs> so there's an early shot of our sign. Um, and so here's a photo of uh, one of the early shows. I believe this is, uh, what was it, Halloween 1994. Um, so 
Kilowatt provided a stage for local and touring bands uh, in the indie punk scene uh, from 1994 to 1998. There were a lot of really notable bands there. Uh, one of the most notable uh, was the band Pavement. They did their uh, record release show for 1997's Bright in the Corners. Uh, if anybody's a nerd like myself and loves that record. Uh, yeah, there's a shot of Stephen Malcolmus on stage. Uh, and um, also, in a lot of ways, that there, there was also a art studio upstairs. Do we have a picture of that? Maybe not. Oh, here's some sold out shows. Um, like a, uh, one of the very famous San Francisco poster artists, Alan Forbes, got his start doing posters at Kilowatt. Uh, and we actually got to work with him on some new designs. It's been an mm -hmm. honor to work with him. Um, and I think one of my main points about this is in the last few decades, you know, there's, there's like countless stories of all these amazing music venues closing down and you just hear these stories again and again. And I can't think of a time where I've seen a venue that has stopped doing music and the, there's the ability to bring that back. Um, and I, I just think it's a really rare and incredible opportunity and I'll let Katie take over. I just I think patients. I'm excited. I think uh, I think we are the people to do that. I think that uh, I could. This is a dream team for me. Um, my bestest friends and the people with most experience. And I think all of our different skills coming together really make this work. You name it, he can build it. He can build anything. <laughs> um, this obvious uh, music sound nerd can make anything sound good. They're both excellent at soundproofing and have done it before. Um, I've been booking bands and navigating with bands and agents for over a decade. So I just think this is a really awesome team of people that are gonna bring it the life and energy um, that it deserves. And we thank you for your time. Oh, uh, I just wanted to make one note. Um, the, the building has already had extensive soundproofing. Um, the wall facing Albion, uh, that uh, facing that alley is three layers thick. Uh, there's also plenty of sound curtains at the front and back exit that we're going to use. Um, so just wanted to say that. Oh, yeah. This was today at like oh, 1 yeah, o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Inside. We're working on it. Cool. Thank you. Questions? Um, more of a comment. I'm just so psyched. I was like really excited to see this on the agenda and know you all were reviving this space as an aging riot girl and big <laughs> indie nerd myself. I'm so excited to have folks who are industry veterans know how to make, know how to do this successfully in a way that honors the history of the space and in a way that really gives back to the community. Um, and I think it's gonna be part of the bigger story of San Francisco coming back too. So thank you all and I can't wait to come and be a patron. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. No doubts. Commissioner Perez. I, yeah, thank you also for coming, number one, and thank you for providing space for drag performances in city, karaoke, and comedy. I think that's an awesome combination. My question is with your community um, outreach. On your permit application says it's sort of not yet complete. I was just wondering if you have any new updates to share with us about neighborhood outreach, because it's kind of required. We do, yes, we sent out, oh. I will let you speak, but Commissioner Perez, there was that at the time of submission, that was months ago. And so um, in the memo tonight outlines the outreach that they completed okay. as well. So it's definitely what it's always a requirement and it's always collected. All right. Prior to coming. I just want to give you an opportunity to share your outreach to date. Yeah. Sure. It's been awesome. We started with the letter, we you know worked on a draft and sent it out to within a block in all sides of us. Like so we covered the block and then we went door to door 
and met her neighbors. Um, that's how we met Arepas. And, they, and uh, then what else did we do? I wrote this down. Then we started an online petition that went out to San Francisco residents. I think we actually hit, I think we're at 2,600 2, signatures now. Um, and over 100 comments, you know, of support. And then also just in the neighborhood, I, the couple we ran into that I'm pretty sure was the people that were concerned about noise, um, like I said, by the end of it, we exchanged cell phone numbers, and that's going to be our policy going forward, is we want to speak to our neighbors directly. We want them to know our names. We want to know their dogs. You know, we, we, just, that's, we just want to be a part of the community. And, um, yeah, and any concerns they have. I know that alleyway has had its problems, but it's had its problems you know, either no matter where there's a bar there or not, it's just that where that street is. And we've told the neighbors that we we want to be a part of monitoring that with them. We want to partner with them and make them feel safe. So we're a part of that community of keeping it safe right there. And are you open now, or are you still under construction? Uh, when is the expected grand opening? January, February. Yeah, mid-January. All right, good. Good luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, I just want to echo uh, my commissioner's sentiments in that I, this is really exciting for me, having been a longtime San Francisco resident. I, I'm, this, this is great news. Um, and in my capacity, I'm also the executive chair of the Castro LGBTQ Cultural District, so if you need any input into programming, it's a, that corridor is a, cor is a site of historic interest to our cultural district. It's not within our footprint, but to that and um, I would also ask, in terms of community outreach, if you had reached out to the American Indian Cultural District or Calle 24 Cultural District, because those are, it's actually in the American Indian Cultural District's footprint, and then Calle 24 has identified it as a, as a corridor of historic significance for them, too. So I was just going to ask if you had reached out to either one of those entities. No, but we would we would really like to if you okay. have that information. If you, yeah, sure, I can okay. I can pass along contact information and stuff. I'm actually curious to hear from Commissioner Thomas. What do you think? Should they bring back kilowatt, Commissioner Thomas? Kilowatt. <laughs> I mean, I definitely went to a few good shows at um, events at Paula's Clubhouse back in the day. So um, I'm looking forward to what they uh, bring to kilowatt. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any major um, questions, but I'm, I'm really excited about this. I think it's great. I think it's great you're keeping the name, keeping the history. Um, it's not um, turning into something that um, people will write us about and say, how could you? So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> happened before. Um, uh, but yeah, no questions for me. So All right. All right, you can have a seat and we'll. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we'll start with motions, as we've done, and we will then do public comments. Are there any motions? I move to approve this with uh, staff recommendations. Second. All right. Now, uh, public comments. No. In person first. None. Yep. So we have one person on Zoom that would like to do a comment with her hand raised. Um, Julie Zielinski, I'm going to bring you in. Please unmute yourself, and you have three minutes to make a public comment. Hello. 
Um, I work for Noise Pop and actually just met with these folks earlier. And I also used to work at the Kilowatt, so I can't even tell you how ridiculously excited I am about this. Um, but I've also worked with all these folks on a bunch of different um, endeavors and they're, they're upstanding. And um, so I just wanted to give my thumbs up on behalf of Noise Pop. Thank you, Julie. No more further public comments. All right, we'll close public comment and we can vote. President Blyman? No. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh. Yes, I. Aggressive. It's aggressive. I've been planning that for. He's never done that before. <laughs> okay, that's an I from President yeah, Blyman. I retract my first. Okay. I'm a queen. For the record, it's an I. Okay, Commissioner Perez. Yes. Commissioner Thomas. Aye. Commissioner Torres. Aye. And Commissioner Wong. Aye. Congratulations. Uh, I'll follow up with our staff as soon as you can, but uh, can't wait for that opening. Mid-January, I want, I want that, I want to hear, I want to see it actually open mid-January. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, where can we follow the news? Are you on Instagram and stuff? Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, moving on, we have one more item before the final final, um, and this is number nine, which is discussion and possible action to amend the permit conditions of a limited live performance permit. EC-1601 DBA Gestalt, located at 3159 16th Street, San Francisco, California, regarding ongoing enforcement actions at the business, and I believe Deputy Director Azevedo is. So at the request of the commission, this item was agendized to bring the owner of Gestalt, Daniel Hawkins, before the commission for a second time to discuss ongoing LLP permit violations at the business. So. The last appearance before the commission was on February 1st, 2022. And to quickly recap, since April 2021, we have received 79 311 sound complaints and numerous email complaints about Gestalt. 18 of these complaints were made prior to the business being granted their LLP permit, which happened on July 29th, 2021. The remaining 61 311 complaints have been made since that permit was granted. So in total, the business has been found in violation of their permit conditions 12 out of the 45 times we have visited in response to these complaints. To date, Gestalt has received two NOVs and six citations. As you are aware from previous enforcement updates, the ongoing violations at this business have either been about operating above allowable sound limits or operating past LLP permitted hours of entertainment that require an 11 p.m. end time. The latest two citations were issued on October 29th and November 19th for operating entertainment beyond the LLP permits conditioned end time of 11 p.m. at 12 a.m. and 2.30 a.m. respectively. In the last 12 months, the business has been found operating entertainment after 11 p.m. on six different occasions. Uh, the agenda item is a discussion and possible action item in which the commission has the ability to recondition Gestalt's permit as you see fit. Although we do not have specific staff recommendations for reconditioning at this time, we would suggest reminding the permit holder of the importance of following the rules and ensuring adherence to permit conditions including entertain, ending entertainment by 11. A copy of Gestalt's LLP permit is in your file tonight, and here to speak to you tonight is Hi, Daniel. No. Uh, oh, <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I don't know. Can you make sure you're in the microphone, sure. please? Yeah, thanks. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Sean, and I am the current manager at Gestalt. We've had some problematic employees in the past, and we're hoping to fix that immediately, just with cleaning house and, and hiring new people on that abide by the law. 
And so, yeah. Uh, Deputy Director, can you remind us what their um, current LLP uh, allowances are? Is it seven days a week till yep, 11 p.m.? Yep, it's full seven days, 11 p.m. Yep, and they have a sound limit. Questions from the commissioners? Just for the record, uh, can, what's your full name? My name is Sean Saber. Okay, thank you. Longtime Bay Area, Bay Area resident. And I'm in the process of kind of starting negotiations to buy the business. And so the problems of the past won't be in the f happening in the future at all. And uh, we're going to be doing some drastic changes there. How long have you been a manager there? I haven't heard your name before. About a year now. Okay. Have you been in touch previously about in regulation or regulatory I've stuff? Spoken with you okay. before. No, no. No, but I know you've spoken with my inspectors. I have. Yes, Mike and okay. the other guy. Andrew. <coughs> so just to clarify, Sean, you're attributing all of these incidents um, where you were in violation of the permit to prior employees who no longer work there. That's correct. Yes. Well, a few of them still work there because we have staffing issues, but we're going to be getting rid of them. Okay, and was there an on-site manager during that time, or were you their manager during the time? I was partly, I wouldn't say responsible, because I wasn't there when these violations occurred, but uh, it's kind of someone that was operating the business with me that was working there at the time, and so it's kind of, they're going to be out of the picture. Hi, Sean. So are there, besides changing the staff, are there any specific policy that you're going to um, create within the operations of your business so that these um, problems will not occur anymore? Yes, I'm going to have a very strict code of conduct slash employee handbook. These are not suggestions. These will be cold, hard rules to follow. And anyone that does not follow this, those rules will not be employed there. What stopped you from having that handbook and these rules in place during the last year? It wasn't my business. It w I was strictly a manager without authority to do that. I mean, I can make suggestions, but it wasn't my, my call. Um, so it was, it was Daniel's call so at you, that time. But. So you haven't been there when these violations are occurring. Are, is In your future plan, are you, are you planning on being there? Yes, um, significantly. Okay. Um, can I interject? Can you just let me know what your staffing structure currently is? How many employees you have and for what roles? At the moment, we have four, including myself. Everyone's kind of a one-man show per night. That's going to be changing because it's, we're looking to have it get busier. Um, but basically, the, the nights that we were in violation, we just had the wrong people working there. Including the owner? Including, yes. Okay. Can I ask if uh, your other permits and licenses are in good standing? Our ABC license is fine. As, as far as my knowledge, yes, I believe all of our licenses are in, are in good standing. There's no current violations on the ABC license? Not that I know of, no. So, if you do take over this business, you're going to have to reapply for an entertainment permit because they don't transfer. So what we're talking about tonight, just to be clear, is between now and whenever that is, what we want these 
permits to be, which which are not attached to you, they're attached to Daniel and the, the current ownership. Um, you know what? It's it's a little bit hard for me to understand how it. You know, as the manager, it's it, at the end of the day, being a manager is like literally being responsible for the for the conduct of your employees. I mean, it's literally the definition of manager. So that kind of just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm willing to just kind of put that aside for a second. There, there's a couple things that I just want to bring up. So um, if you are thinking about purchasing this business, um, if there is an ABC violation on the uh, on the ABC permit, which is not our jurisdiction, um, that carries over um, and you end up with a, a severely depreciated asset um, uh, that uh, they, they basically give you a couple strikes. I think it's two uh, before they pull the plug on you. And if you already have one coming in, um, then that makes the business uh, for many people is something that people would not want to buy because you, you know, you have one bad night where the ABC comes by and gets you and that's it. Your, your, your entire investment is completely shot. It's done. Um, and so, you know, if, if the current owner is planning on selling the business, it, it's just mind boggling to me that, that anyone would allow that one asset, which is literally, it's just the, ABC permit in that area um, w w would put that in danger because, uh, you know, not just you as the buyer, but the seller has a lot to lose there. So that's just very strange to me and uh, and something that I think should be mentioned. So I don't have any further questions for you. Before I allow him to sit down and, and we can discuss this, does anybody have more questions for him? Commissioner Thomas, did you have anything you wanted to say? No, I, I think you're all asking all of the questions that I would ask. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I appreciate that you're looking for a, a new start and cleaning house, but it feels like it doesn't quite pass the sniff test that you've been the manager there and yet have no responsibility for any of these um, violations over the last year. Could I clarify one thing? So, uh, yeah, I was a little vague earlier. But basically, my dilemma is if the person that I report to is in violation of these noise regulations, what am I supposed to do? I, you know, I still need to work there tomorrow. And so, ultimately, it's not my decision because I may be the manager, but if someone above me in the company is responsible for this, my hands are sort of tied. There's only so much I can do. That's the dilemma in it. Got it. Uh, that person should be here tonight, quite frankly. Yeah, and they're not, so I don't have any further questions for you personally. I think you can have a seat, and we can discuss this in absentia without the person there. Yep. Um, so you can have a seat. You're Thank fine. you for Thank your time. You. Yeah. <clears throat> We're not in absentia. We're here. Mm. Um, they are. Um, all right, so who wants to open up conversation here? Thoughts? I don't have very much reassurance that this permit holder is going to be able to stay in compliance, um, especially given that the owner is the one who made a lot of these calls about um, how they operate, and he's not here. I'm inclined to agree um, with Commissioner Wong. I think that 
uh, I, um, anyone that's worked in this industry knows that sometimes there are, are situations that are hard to navigate and that you have little control, especially if you're working under somebody. Uh, I appreciate that, of course, but the person that holds the permit isn't here, and I that doesn't give me any um, sense of uh, confidence that they're going to be in compliance moving forward. Yeah, I almost take it a step further. I, I think the one thing we've seen is that, that they don't care and don't want to be in compliance. I, mm -hmm. That I don't have faith in them. It's like, I know, you know, they do the same thing every single week, it seems. So just to be clear, though, we're not allowed to uh, we're not allowed in this hearing. And I'm not suggesting that we would attempt to um, uh, take away an LLP. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. Um, and given the circumstances here if in in truth that there is going to be a transfership of ownership sometime in the horizon then you know i don't want us to spend a lot of time on a current owner if it's not going to if it's going to be a moot point coming up soon one thing we can do is take a look at the uh, permit conditions and this is what i think we should do and um given the fact that the uh the the current owner has not just been uh, in violation, but kind of just seems to truly not care about our staff and our department and what we do. I would recommend that we um, that we look at, at at severely limiting the conditions to make sure that they're in a place that feels more comfortable for us. So um, um, the thing that comes to my mind first is um, I, you know, uh, Deputy Director, can you tell me? Um, these violations and the or the complaints. I know we're only out a few nights a week, but do we get complaints on weeknights as well as the weekend days? Yeah, I mean, so you can see that we've visited the business. I mean, we've received seventy nine complaints. Mm -hmm. We've visited on uh, forty five different occasions. Yeah, we get numerous complaints um, like after midnight during the weekday. Yeah. Um, and on those occasions, I've reached out to Daniel directly and said, we're getting complaints about loud music occurring after midnight. And he's self-admitted on probably three occasions saying that he was just hanging out inside with the music turned up with friends and has said he'll stop doing that. But of course, we can't get eyes on it ourselves. It's just been a self-attestation that he's shared with me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, w the the. the the good thing for us is that we're really laser focused on the live music aspect, right? So the complaints can come in, and if it's if there doesn't happen to be live music, then it's then we can we can work with a permit holder, and we can um, we can decide that they're maybe not responsible enough to have live music, but it's it's not our exactly our our lane. So my, my recommendation is that we limit live music till 10 p.m. on just on Friday and Saturday nights. And that uh, that's a, a, a time that I feel personally comfortable that um, that we're th that that we can just absolutely laser focus in and limit to. Um, and then I would recommend that we you know we communicate regularly with the city attorney and with the police department and just make sure that that there are resources outside of ours that are being utilized to. Uh, uh, find violations outside of just the the, the live music aspect um, that we have to enforce on a daily basis. So um, I'm not recommending that as part of the conditions. So just from a conditional standpoint, I think I would like to, I'm comfortable with just saying uh, limiting their live music 
to uh, hours they are open before 10 p.m. on Friday and Saturday night. President Blyman, what does that mean for the other nights of the week? Are you suggesting that they cannot have live entertainment the other five nights of the week? That's my recommendation. Understood. Thank yeah. you for clarifying. Uh, any thoughts on that? I'm open to a discussion here. That's just the, what, what, what comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty heavy-handed, but this is, this is in how many years have I been on this commission? I mean, this is the, but right. like worlds further away for me from the, from, you know, total lack of respect for what we do and, and what mm-hmm. we're trying to do and, and what we care about. And so I, I think we, you know, I think it definitely bears a, you know, a, a response that's adequate considering that. I couldn't agree more, especially considering the amount of staff time and resources those violations have occupied. Yeah, I agree. It's just like it's a free flagrant, um, you know, disregard of the rules, um, the number of uh, violations that they've done, and number of t- the staff have been there and noticed them, and yeah, it's just really unacceptable. So I agree with. Your proposal. I I def- defer to all of your experience here in regards to like the you know a step in in I think that yeah based on what um, Commissioner Perez just shared is that yeah this is um, a flouting of the the rules and and if this makes the most sense to President Plyman then I support that. All right, Commissioner Thomas, do you have any comments on this? No, I um, I defer to you, President Blyman. Uh, it seems um, like it's a lot, but given the history that we've had with this particular venue, um, I think it's it's reasonable. It doesn't seem like there's anything else that really gets their attention and ensures that they're living up to the terms of uh, their permit. And I don't recommend this loosely, you know, like um, as an industry seed, I feel really, it's really important to like support the industry whenever we can. But in sometimes the industry, you know, the, the 99% of the people in the industry in San Francisco are doing their best to follow the rules given really tough situations. And, and a lot of times those 99% are getting blamed for the 1% who just is not has no interest in following the rules and that that's what that's what rubs me particularly wrong is you know i know all the good people who are out there trying to do their best and you know that people you know when somebody flaunts the rules anytime they do in such a flagrant fashion it gives everyone a bad name it it it, it makes everybody feel like entertainment's a nuisance that nightlife's a nuisance that that it's something that needs to be regulated something that needs to be stopped and that that really rubs me the wrong way personally and I don't know how many times we can sit here and have the owner who's not even here tonight, uh, you know, say, you know, I promise this is the last time. Because at one point you're like, this is just clearly not the case, right? So that's where I'm coming from on that. And do you want to communicate how, when they can come back and reevaluate the the terms? I mean, they can, so they can request uh, to come before our hearing and then we will take a look at the request and we will review it based on what we think and you know uh, you know even given the circumstances if we're going to limit them to friday and saturday nights like what does anybody on the commission think they're actually going to follow that i 
I mean, I would even prefer just to revoke the permit, but I know that's not within our capacity tonight. Yeah, it's not in our capacity tonight, and I, it is a. In doing that, is 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 remarkably onerous uh, for staff, the resources and staff time. I mean, it essentially follows like a, mm -hmm. like a, uh, a very long court case, um, and so um, and especially given the fact that the, you know apparently there may be a change in ownership, I don't think that's. Worth it, but a few months from now, if there the change in ownership doesn't seem to be happening, and there's violations happening, I think all all of our uh, tools are on the table. I also think, short of actually revoking a, per, a permit, you know, the city attorney and the and the police, and there's other regulatory bodies in the city that 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 can act without that. But this is just this gives everyone a bad name, mm -hmm. shot through the heart. All right, um, I will motion to amend the uh, permit conditions to uh, not include any nights except for Friday and Saturday night until 10 p.m. Um, is there a second? Second. Is there any public comment? No public comments for this item. All right, I'm gonna close public comment and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Commissioner Perez? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right. Moving on to the next agenda item. It's number 10, Commissioner Comments and Questions. I'm sure there's some fun holiday stuff here to lighten the mood. Yeah, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Maligayang Pasco, Happy New Year, and please be safe out there. Happy holidays to everyone. You too. And happy solstice. <clears throat> and happy New Year. <laughs> One of my friends is a scientist, and she's a devout atheist, and every year her family sends a happy winter, winter solstice card. It's just them like... <laughs> <laughs> really funny. I, like I just want to echo happy holidays to everyone and and in the spirit of uh, our beautiful uh, San Francisco nightlife and entertainment industry please uh, especially given all the data that we received from staff earlier tonight like go out and support our industry our all these businesses you know, tip heavy. Uh, I I want to make some remarks at, at the um, the Castro Merchants Association did a Winter Wonderland uh, event this past weekend uh, that featured a drag queen story hour, and of course uh, the ubiquitous picketers and protesters showed up. Um, and this is an increasing occurrence, and and I think given the um, what happened at. Club Q in Colorado Springs. Um, just know that uh, drag performers and uh, queer nightlife workers, but all nightlife workers, every time you walk into your bar or your nightclub, this is something you think about now. So, just to all the revelers and you know, not to take away from like this time of year, it's a beautiful time of year, but just be really um, supportive of of everyone that works in this. It's it's uh, much needed right now. That's a good note to end on. Is there any public comment on this agenda item? 
No public comment on this item. Close public comment. We'll adjourn the meeting at 7.34 p.m. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you after the new year and be safe out there.